am stoned. I am, let's say, tipsy. Um, oh my god, me too. Yeah, it's like, you know what, fuck it. I pulled out all the stops tonight. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I really had no opinions coming into this episode, but right from the beginning, I was like, okay, this is just weird. And... I couldn't really put my finger on it other than weird. And I guess I should start this off. I'm Gilda. And I'm Steph. And you are listening to Saturday Night High, the podcast where we get really stoned and talk about Saturday Night Live, as evidenced by me just like completely forgetting the intro and just going right into right into the show and not even the show i was just gonna go right to the monologue i completely forgot the cold open so that's how that's how fucked up i am it was forgettable yeah it was okay so tonight we're talking about season one episode 20 it aired on may 15th 1976 it was hosted by diane cannon and the musical guests were leon and mary russell yeah the cold open it started um and it was rather confusing because it what the premise of this cold open was that we had missed or rather Chevy had missed the timing and he did the whole fall but it wasn't on tape so they had to do it again so um he redid it and that was the cold open (laughs) I I will say he did the fall from the top of a full ass step ladder that is some commitment like you like you can control your fall to a certain extent but there is a level of danger in that and i was like you know what if you're gonna fling yourself off of a step ladder kudos to you i would not do that yeah bold choice on his part um and then we went into the monologue which was um also kind of I don't know, forgettable, I guess, but she did specifically say that she doesn't smoke or drink or do drugs. And I was like, girl, what? What is this? You know? Yeah. And like, I, my, my main thoughts for this were, I think I have that top that she was wearing. Like, like it was right up my alley, but it was just weird and lame and it was like her singing a song about how all of her dreams have come true except for one and that one dream is apparently to have a man on a white horse ride up out of the ocean onto the beach of her beachfront property in Malibu and just like whisk her away and I was like "Uh, okay and I, I did the one part of that monologue that did work for me was Paul Schaefer like looking at her throughout the sketch and at the end of the monologue he just like picks her up picks her up and runs off stage with her and I was like okay that's not funny but something about Paul Schaefer picking her up and just running was absolutely hilarious and I laughed my ass off so that was great but the rest of it I was like all right whatever yeah it was just kind of strange in my opinion that whole opening to this to this episode um and then we went into a a Lorraine Newman sketch which was this ad for a drink called sugar-free zing and she was drinking from two different cups 
and one of them was sugar freezing and one of them was phlegm um Ugh. yeah I didn't even really know what to make of that whole sketch other than okay this feels like they're kind of phoning it in I'll say it <laughs> like what the hell <laughs> yeah I I did not that was just like okay whatever next I did think the there was a cut to an audience member with text over the screen and the text was mentally undressing Chevy Chase and I'm like all right fair yeah that was fair I did laugh at that (laughs) he's getting so hot if uh, like I honestly want to do like bonus episodes of um like Chevy Chase movies from the 70s and 80s and throw them up on Patreon and just see what happens whoa I actually did I tell you that we watched the um the Christmas vacation movie in Disney World like in the um like the PhilharMagic like theater shut up yeah oh my god that is so cool it was sick as fuck (laughs) that all right yeah there are so many damn things I want to do once Corona is not over, but like, I'm not sure it'll ever be over. Anyway, <laughs> mentally undressing Chevy. Let's not go there. I, I am like way too happy fucked up to go anywhere depressing tonight. Yeah. Let's so, just stay with mentally undressing Chevy. Um, yeah. So, in his prime. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Please make that stipulation because Chevy Chase now, I am definitely not mentally undressing. Anyway, the next sketch was a hearing test. And I mean, I've had to take one of these. And as someone who has been to way too many concerts, well, I shouldn't say way too many concerts. I've been to the perfect amount of concerts for me, but. I am woman enough to admit that I have sustained some hearing loss. So having to take one of these for my job was absolutely terrifying because it was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. My actually, like, I did not know if I was going to pass it. I did. But I think it was close because the woman was looking at me funny afterwards. So anyway, yeah. Um, uh, So it was a hearing test and... It was, you put the headphones on and you have to raise your hand as to which ear you're hearing the beeps in. And anyway, hearing test. Yeah, you raise your hands left, right, uh, for which ear you're hearing it in. But during the hearing test, two men with guns come into the classroom and they're like, they've committed a robbery maybe and the police are outside and while this is going on they're making various loud noises and the test is continuing as normal or at least for the three people taking the test they're like uh yeah sounds like it was right yeah okay sure but like the noises they're hearing are gunshots and uh screaming or sirens and the police are shooting back like i guess the robbers are shooting at the cops the or the criminal, yeah, the people, uh, it was Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi were the criminals. And I believe Garrett Morris, Gilda Radner, and Lorraine Newman were taking the test and Jane Curtin was administering the test. I forgot to say that at the beginning. Um, Just so y'all can picture it. Yeah, I can't record Twisted again. Um, (laughs) 
I'm kind of like, whoa. <laughs> I know. It's like, wait, okay, that is all going to get cut. That was way too weird. Anyway. Was it? I don't think, I didn't uh, think it was. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, so I guess the Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi are shooting at the cops and the cops are shooting back and the stray bullets are hitting the people taking the hearing test and the teacher and they all basically like as they hear the gunshots they raise their hand and then they die and it gets to the end and Gilda Radner is the last one and she doesn't know she's the last one because you're not allowed to look left or right during these hearing tests because you can't look to see what other people are doing. I took mine alone in a very dark box. Alone in a very dark box. So that wasn't a thing I had to do. Um, and yeah, Gilda Radner's like, oh, okay. And she raises her hand and then she's shot and she collapses. And that was the fucking sketch. And I was like, well, that was violent, but really well done. It was a really good performance piece of art because it's like there was speaking but after the initial introduction to the class and the robbers coming in there really wasn't much I thought it was great it was yeah I didn't really look at it from that perspective I thought it was kind of strange but I did really appreciate Gilda's performance in that um the next sketch was really strange it was Chevy Chase and Diane Cannon and they're in bed. Um, Weren't they on a couch? Okay, they're on a couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dan Aykroyd was there. Wait a minute. My, it was her husband. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, wait a minute, this makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Diane Cannon and Chevy Chase were on a couch. Dan Aykroyd is his character the person he's portraying is married to diane cannon and he comes home early to find his wife on the couch with another man enter steph i don't this sketch was so weird because then they started talking about the spine flu and that really threw me for a whole other i don't even know what's happening (laughs) so there so the spine flu that you and i know of is not that was not the first swine flu 1976 okay so there was a swine flu outbreak in 1976 and uh it caused an outbreak caused one death hospitalized 13 led to a mass immunization program excuse me um, after the program began, the vaccine was associated with an increase in reports of Guillain-Barre syndrome, which can cause paralysis, respiratory arrest, and death. Um, it was ended after approximately 25% of the population of the U.S. had been given the vaccine. The swine flu was a thing that happened in 76 as well, and there was a bit of a panic that, oh God, is this the next 1918 flu pandemic? Anyway, I'm not bitter a lot um, to unpack there <laughs> yeah so it was a whole swine flu thing so anyway yeah like chevy chase was this lady's like affair partner and he pretends he's dead or she says oh he's dead it was and then she like flops him onto the floor and is like oh actually he's this actually he's that it was so it was just like Oh, it was just like a sketch filled with gaslighting. 
and for real that's what i wrote too i'm like this is just gaslighting i'm like what is yeah. this what am i watching right it now was, it was just gross i fucking hated it i'm like none of this is funny this is emotional abuse let's move the fuck on yeah although i I did think the fact that Chevy Chase was like supposedly this swine flu inoculator and the line we were inoculating when you got back, I, I thought that was, I was like, okay, that's a good line. But the rest of it was trash. Agreed. Um, the next sketch was called Vacation Land Adventure. And Jane Curtin was the host of this little program with John Belushi as a guest. And he's the head of travel of the travel bureau for for what for like bulgaria um and he was staying in america and he was saying how america didn't compare to bulgaria uh and he was talking about potato casca and i don't know this is just another opportunity for john belushi to do a impersonation impression whatever the word is i guess you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, it felt like OG Stefan. I was just like, oh, okay. He's uh, he's a vacation correspondent from Bulgaria. Um, I did think it was funny yet racist. I, 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 I'm not saying it was right, but I did think it was funny. His Bulgarian tape, when it was video footage of Bulgarians in the winter and the title of it was Bulgaria Disvinter, which was like his accent, but they spelled it was like Bulgaria D-I-S-V-I-N-T-E-R. It was I I was like, damn, that's racist, but it's funny. Yeah, that was essentially the whole joke with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and went from that into uh musical act performance by Leon and Mary of Russell singing Satisfy You. The only note that I had for this was that they had some pretty fun fucking outfits, which they did, you know? Yeah, they had some fun fucking outfits. Leon Russell dressed like that. I, uh, okay, yeah, so uh, Leon and Mary Russell, they were married, which I thought this was kind of notable because I don't know too many instances of interracial couples being on television in 1976, Seeing as, you know, Black people had just gotten the right to vote, like, what, eight years prior? I, I, I'm guessing that wasn't too much of a thing. So I was like, damn, Lauren, you you go. Um, but le- yeah, Leon Russell dressed like that for the rest of his life. I saw him and Elton John. God, it was, oh my God, that was almost 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that is so depressing. Anyway, um, yeah, I saw Leon Russell with Elton John and it fucking rocked. Um, this will get cut because this is specific and people know this story. I was actually spit on at that concert by like a 70 something year old man. So that doesn't matter. That's ADHD. Um, so it was Saturday night and whenever Elton John has a concert on a Saturday night, he opens the show with Saturday night's all right for fighting because like, how do you fucking not like that? Like normally the concert, like when Elton John starts a show, it goes from like, you know, like everybody in the rooms at like a four, maybe a five buzz in. And when he starts, it goes to like a seven, like starting the show with Saturday night brings it to a nine to start. 
and it like breaks by the end of the night. I've seen Elton John on a Saturday night twice, and I Whoa. have seen him not on a Saturday night twice. I, that is enough evidence for me. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, this guy, so I'm fucking standing up. We have first row balcony seats, because, regardless. So we bought these tickets so we have an unobstructed view. We're standing up and we're dancing. My mother and I like to dance at concerts, as one does. You know what? I'm not sure I'm going to cut this. I think this deserves to be heard. So we're dancing and we're like, this is fucking awesome. And this guy behind me is like, he puts his hand on my fucking shoulder and he pull, he like pushes my shoulder down to make me sit down. And I'm like, no, I'm standing, I'm dancing. I'm like, don't touch me. He then puts his chin on my shoulder and starts talking to me. He's like, I paid for my seat. I didn't pay to see your back. I want to see the concert. You need to sit down or I'm going to watch the concert like this. And it's something I'm paraphrasing. It was, you know, old man. I don't, I, it, this is a while ago. But anyway, I'm like, okay, don't fucking put your head on my shoulder. Like, gross. Oh. Fuck you. So at that point, I was like, my mother's like, don't fucking sit down. Like, don't you fucking dare. Like, no. This is not. And then he just like and spits on my cheek. And my mother's like, okay, that's it. We're moving. And so we go to, we get someone and my mother's like, okay, my mother was like, don't fucking touch your cheek. Um, and she's like, so we find someone and she's like, okay, we were standing, we were dancing. Someone spit on my daughter because she would not sit down. And they were like, okay, we'll get you better tickets. We'll get you tickets. We'll get you different tickets. So we're like, cool, great. And so they're like, oh, we found you more expensive tickets. And we're like, okay, but where are they? And they were like in the back of the fucking bowl, like eight miles from the, it's like, no, we paid really good money for close tickets. And they're like, well, these are where the tickets are. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, cool. Fucking thank you. Fine. Because before we had left our seats, I had seen that there were like eight people dancing in the sections behind the stage. And so I am like, let's go this way. I pull her to the back of the stage, I pull her, I bring her to the back of the stage. And I, there's this little old man, like this little old Italian dude doing security. And it was like, okay, here's the deal. I got spit on because I was dancing in front of a guy that wanted an unobstructed view they gave us tickets at the back of the bowl. That wasn't acceptable. He's like, come into the section, come dance. It's great. And that's the story of how my mother and I saw Elton John and Leon Russell. Like it was like, we were in like the third row behind the stage, just dancing our asses off with Elton John and Leon Russell, like 40 feet away all night. And it, it was fucking magical. And at the end of the night, I got mallets tossed to me by their percussionist, Nigel. Olson, yes. So it's like a spot. That was a story that was insane. Anyway, also, I did have another note about the performance "Satisfy You," which I thought was stomped. Um, I love the double pianos. They were both playing piano riffs. They were like dueling piano riffs. They complemented each other. There was like sexual tension. There was <laughs> happiness. It was like it was. I, I liked it. I was here for it. Yeah. Um, then there was this really weird bit, which was just like Gilda and Lorraine Newman talking about how Book Henry is going to be on again. 
and Lorraine was like, he's disgusting. And that was the whole thing. I don't really know what the deal was with that. The only thing I wrote down for this was really insulting Buck Henry promo. Yeah, it was weird. And it was just like, Gilda Radner was like doing the promo and Lorraine Newman, apparently her thing is just going to be doing, gross. Like she did like, the sex one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it, been there, seen that, you know? Been there, seen that. But okay. Buck Henry was standing two feet behind them throughout this entire performance, yeah. which is what made it so fucking icky because- Lorraine Newman is being gross. Mm, it was, I hated it. Yeah. And then we went into Weekend Update. I don't even understand what the what the intro was. I, I just don't. No. The entire <laughs> first half of, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just saying, the entire first half of Weekend Update, I wrote, wow, none of this is funny. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone thinking that. I was just kind of like, what the hell am I watching? Like, is this because I just drink, like, a lot of wine that I'm not enjoying this as much as normal or is like it's just sucking like I just couldn't tell you know no it, it sucked yeah and it was just like after that really weird confusing opening we saw Lorraine Newman and Garrett Morris have a little bit about the will of this man I, I don't even know what that was Okay, so Howard Hughes, he was a reclusive billionaire. They've made some Howard Hughes jokes on the show before. I need to make sure I'm not moving my microphone. Okay, hang on. I want to Google one thing. Okay, Howard Hughes. Okay, he died in April of 1976. And he was like, he was a business guy. He was an investor. He was a creator and an inventor like he he was he dated Katherine Hepburn and he was like playboy extraordinaire in the 1930s and 40s and he was like basically the Elon Musk of the 30s and 40s okay yeah and he died in April he died in April of 76 and so like three weeks later they're still making I mean they had they've made Howard Hughes jokes on the show before but this was the first time it was like gross um i don't know it was just, well not gross i shouldn't it was just like it was gross but not towards howard hughes anyway howard hughes basically towards the end of his life he became a recluse he got in a plane crash and he had ocd throughout his life but it got worse and he basically died i almost said a hobbit not a hobbit i don't want to say a hermit either he died a recluse anyway um if that is not correct, please email us, satnighthighpod at gmail. Oh, that's something I also wanted to say. When we, when I fuck up, when like if we say things that aren't correct and you know they aren't correct, please email us. We are happy to hear constructive criticism. Like, let us know. We will include it in a spliff slips and we will shout you out. Like, heck yeah. We're totally down for that. But um, anyway, yeah, so... Lorraine Newman was a reporter and Garrett Morris was pretending he had found Howard Hughes's will that left him all of the millions, but it was like very clear Garrett Morris was just trying to con people and make some money. It was, it felt icky, vaguely racist, wasn't really here for it, wish Lorraine Newman would do something other than 
being grossed out or being a correspondent. Yeah, I'm kind of sick of seeing that as well. Like, I'm over I'm like, it. Yeah. Um, and we went from that, and there were a few other things. There was a artist rendering of the weather, and also that I'm kind of like, well, what is this like? <laughs> yeah, that was odd. Um, <clears throat> there was a cutaway to. Um, it was like a pre-recorded thing about Beirut and Anita Bryant and Anita Bryant was and this sorry there we go she was an American she she was a singer but she's mainly known for her anti-gay rights activism for which she basically like it kind of tanked her career and everything she like in the mid-70s late I want to say late 60s, early to mid 70s, she was very outspoken about her anti-gay rights beliefs. And this caused her to lose all of her sponsorships. And I believe her record deal, I don't know, but um, I guess it led to, right? It led to a boycott of the orange juice that she promoted, which is what this sketch was, was mocking it was like she was oh. in she was in Beirut, but she was kidnapped and she was doing a commercial for this orange juice with the terrorists that had kidnapped her. It was Islamophobic. It was not great, but she was apparently apparently a favorite, according to S- uh, the Wikipedia, eh, according to Anita Bryant's Wikipedia page, she was a frequent target of oh, fuck, where'd it go? I saw it earlier in popular culture um bryant was regularly lampooned on saturday night live sometimes with her politics as the target sometimes her reputation as a popular traditional entertainer known for her commercials as the target and sometimes a combination of the two so yeah i guess snl really liked making fun of her because i guess she would like shill for anything okay i don't know now I get that a little bit more. I didn't really have any of that context when I was watching it earlier and I didn't think it was all that funny. I was a little bit confused. <laughs> yeah, no. And that was, I was like, what the fuck was this? And that's why, you know, I went down a mini rabbit hole in terms of trying to understand why it was funny. And afterwards I was like, oh, okay. Ha. Huh. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to try to understand why it's funny when you're watching these episodes because it's a little bit weird. But... <laughs> Uh, there was this one part of Weekend Update where like Terry Chase was talking about um, fire and the paper he was holding was actually on fire. I love a good physical uh, stunt, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it's like the paper that the joke, quote unquote joke was on, it was gone so he couldn't finish it, but that was the joke. So it was like a meta, it was great. Yes. There was some very specific dated joke about a show on Broadway. Like, what the fuck? That show must have been a flop and it must have been really well known that it was a flop if it made it on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that was a very specific joke. That was one of those jokes where I was like, I didn't really understand exactly what they were talking about. But no, but it killed. Did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also liked the... Oh, fuck. There was some joke about when reached um, 
<laughs> when contacted for comment, Hitler could not be reached in Argentina and Franco was watching an underground movie and I was like, God damn it. Both of those are such good jokes. Those were clever. I appreciated those. Um, they went back to doing the news for the hard of hearing. I was a little bit surprised that they went back to doing this after a few weeks of not doing this. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was gone, but I see that they're being like, okay, maybe let's leave it out for six, eight weeks and then bring it back. Not like an Emily Latella every fucking week, which I was quite happy to see. I mean, okay, I shouldn't say I was quite happy to see it, but like I I was happy that it was just Chevy Chase at the weekend update at the update desk this week because I don't know I feel like they've wasted time on correspondence in the past weeks and it was just nice to have a correspondentless update yeah I agree I didn't really notice that but it was kind of nice not having the extra characters if you will yeah I mean no and it's like honestly this is going to sound terrible, but I was happy to not see Emily Latella. It's like, okay, we get the joke. Never mind. Like, we've done it. We've been there. We've beaten the horse to death and tried to bring it back and beat it again. Anyway. Yeah. yeah so then um, the sketch after Weekend Update was like a funeral scene where Chevy Chase was the, um, he was like the priest. And he's giving his little his little bit at the funeral and he has the hiccups. And that's kind of the whole joke. It's like the entire sketch he has the hiccups and they're trying all sorts of different tactics to help him get rid of these hiccups. Like um, saying, you know, boo or hitting his back. Uh, Diane can kiss him at one point. I was like, I, I didn't realize that was a way to get rid of hiccups but okay uh there was tickling <laughs> um yeah you got slapped i think the kissing thing was more of like you're supposed to shock someone so like she was like oh i'll kiss you and that'll shock you the hiccups out of you but yeah i get she and chevy chase were in a lot together this week and i'm like were y'all fucking in closets like when y'all could steal away because y'all seem pretty friendly y'all seem pretty chummy especially by the end of the episode (laughs) yeah i know which i have thoughts about that so yeah so the next bit oh that was what was going through my mind during this sketch because i just didn't think it was that funny i was just like all right cool whatever it was not a priest would not fucking read. He would not go on with a funeral service or a wake service or what the fuck ever. If he had the hiccups, he'd be like, yo, give me 10. It was just strange. Um, and then we went into a more strange, uh, which was Gary Weiss's film of the week. I do want to say before we went into Gary Weiss's film of the week, we had a recurring bit that dealt with Diane Cannon's unfulfilled dream that all of her dreams had come true, except this one about this man on a horse. And um, Garrett Morris, dressed as a pimp, shows up with Lorraine Newman and Gilda Radner, dressed scantily clad like New York 
sex workers of the 1970s and you realize it's oh my god he showed up with and this is not me i don't like this word but the clear association that the viewer is supposed to make is uh oh he showed up with whores a man showed up with whores and yeah yeah, i was like wow cool guys cool um and then yeah you yeah it was go on not much to say about gary weiss you know it just just like that kind of just not great to watch it was some couple in niagara falls and they were talking about they talked about their pets i i believe um (laughs) yeah so this sketch was actually pretty deep um it was a gary weiss film and it was a couple on their honeymoon at niagara falls and a the guy looked like a cross between jeffrey dahmer slash i don't know what the fuck but he looked like a murderer and then there was like a private investigator and it was about this woman it was like this private investigator and a cop or something I i don't fucking know but like it was about there were two c it was two different locations spliced together and it was this couple it was oh they're young they're in love they're on their honeymoon at niagara falls and as the interview goes on you realize they don't know all that much about each other and this woman says oh or he says oh yeah with our four cats and she's like no and he's like five and she's like six and it's like, okay, shit, these people don't know each other. But the scenes that are being interspliced, I don't know if interspliced is a word, but it's what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, the scenes are, it's a private investigator talking to a cop about a woman who hired the private investigator to follow her husband who thought she thought he was cheating. And it's like, wait, is this supposed to be like, now future or like the past now like the past and present like it was like a it was commentary on marriage and something and i was just like holy shit gary weiss what the fuck you go from a guy getting his cat stone to this shit like warning please everything that man does is so out of pocket you just never know what to expect no um yeah so that was that was just strange and then we went into um what was the, i don't even know it was this ad for bath water which i thought was something that only recently became a phenomenon but no apparently it's it's a longer running joke i guess wait wait that's a thing well, you know the bathwater, the Gamer Girl bathwater uh, thing that was happening. I don't know if that was in 2019 or 2020, but basically this girl like sold her bathwater. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. No. That was a whole thing. No. I, I oh my swore, God, no. I think they said something about it on a weekend update, but oh, I could be I, wrong. Oh, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it was, I'm not saying no to you. I'm saying no in terms of, oh my God, that's fucking disgusting. Yeah. I know. I did not know that. Oh my God girl no it's disgusting but like i mean if she made money like damn okay i'll take a bath like (laughs) 
Oh, gross. Anyway, yeah. It was a woman named Cindy Cleavage selling celebrity bathwater. And the only two people I recognized from the list of celebrity bathwaters she was selling were Cecily Tyson. I don't know if she's still alive or not, but she was an older Black actress. She was young at that point. And um, the other name that stuck out to me was Tatum O'Neill who I believe she was the youngest person to ever be nominated for an Oscar or maybe win an Oscar. I don't really know. Should probably Google it, but sorry. Uh, well, Damn, right, I did not, not right. recognize. Hang on. So, anyway, no, 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 no. So the issue with them mentioning Tatum O'Neill is that when, yeah, she was the youngest person ever to win an Academy Award at 10 years old in the movie Paper Moon. The reason this is an issue is because they mentioned her in selling her celebrity bathwater. She was 13 years old. That's fucked up. Yep. Yes, it is. So, yeah, that was all that I noted about that sketch. But I was like, wow, you guys were doing fine until you brought some fucking pedophilia into it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Did not realize that. Um... So, okay, I guess moving on from that, if you can, uh, we went into this sketch where it was Chevy Chase doing, like, an ad for the Marine Corps, uh, but at first he was pronouncing it, like, Marine Corps, um, and he was getting, like, I don't know, disciplined by his captains, who, it was, it was Dan Aykroyd. It was basically just a sketch about how, oh, yes, the, the generals are, or the leaders are saying, oh, you have to be tough and you're in the act, you're in the advertising section of the Marine Corps and you need to be selling this performance. But there are two other, it was John, I think it was John Belushi and Garrett Morris. They were like hitting Chevy Chase with like these stuffed boxing gloves on sticks whenever he messed up and it was just like physical abuse and mental abuse and it wasn't funny and it was basically commentary on I think the army and the military being like shitty to humans and like you know being like like breaking them both physically and mentally but and I think there was a line and I watched this like two days ago so forgive my not totally remembering but um there was a line saying men die for their country even in peacetime and i was like oh slam on the u.s military yeah that whole sketch was just like fuck military for a second there but uh yeah yeah. um it was weird also i don't know we went into the next musical performance uh which was uh featuring a performance by joe cocker Okay, <laughs> they're really they're really hitting that hard they really like, are the past few episodes. it's like goddamn, guys we get it yeah we do like i don't know why they keep going back to it they love going back <sighs> to shit yeah but yeah they performed daylight um it was nice second performance woo 
we were talking about uh yeah oh so gilda radner and john belushi the next sketch they're playing parents and diane cannon is their child and she wants to go she wants to get a ride to the football game and how she's talking she's talking about how um it's just a friend that her friend she's just getting a ride there's nothing to it and yeah so she there's knocks on the door and three guys come in and they're wearing hell's angels like denim vests and diane cannon starts singing the song johnny angel which is a song by shelly fabaris fabers Fabara, I don't know, but it's Johnny Angel. You're an angel to me. How I love him. He's got something I know I can't resist. That he doesn't even know that I exist. Uh, and it's like it's like basically about um, it's like a song about how a girl has a crush on a guy named Johnny. He doesn't know she exists, but there's three men in hell that are hell's angels, and they're like fucking up her parents' house while she's singing. And the sketch ends with one of them taking her over their shoulder and they all go up to her bedroom. And it's like, wow, okay. Yeah, not exactly sure what to think of that. Um, <laughs> like, there's surely a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this next sketch was like an ad for Kresk. Um and I don't even know exactly what the joke was supposed to be here because I, I guess there was two characters and someone was dead. I don't know. Okay, so it was a woman, Gilda Radner. She goes into the corner store to buy some groceries and the person behind the counter the grocer is asking her just like oh how you doing no i haven't seen your son around lately what's going on and she's like oh well he died and the grocer's in like what about his teeth you got to brush his teeth and she's like well he's dead and he's like yeah i know you know you got to keep his teeth clean and it ends the commercial is saying kresk now with formaldehyde and it was like gilda radner's character had left the door in tears like it, there was nothing funny about it it was just like wow great her kid died yeah haha just whack um and then we have the whole movie next although first there was this really really weird intro to the whole movie <laughs> i just don't know what was happening this week but it was it was well and that was the joke was a man he was on the back of a man named Horace and it was like, okay, haha, a man on a Horace. Funny. What the fuck? Let's go. Yeah. And then we went into the home movie itself, which was, a um, it was called the hubcap thief and this person it was it, there was this like upbeat quirky music going on the whole time as these home movies tend to have uh and the protagonist of this this little film had a shopping list and one of the things in the list was a hubcap um yeah it was it was weird it was i think they tried to like steal it i don't really know and there was a lot, a lot of scenes of this protagonist talking to another character 
and this was a silent film, mind you, so I'm a little bit confused at this point because what the hell are they talking about? You know, I have no way of knowing. <laughs> so the guy got it while trying to steal the hubcap, he got his hands stuck in the hubcap in between the hubcap and the tire. And then like there's some stop motion stuff as like the car pulls away, he goes around in a circle, ha ha. Um he was still on the wheel at a stop and there was a guy that was asking for directions and he was asking instead of the driver, he was asking the guy that was stuck on the wheel for directions. And he was still stuck at the end of the movie and the driver got out without ever realizing he was there. And a dog came over and was like, Oh, Hey, you're stuck. The end. The end. Yeah. (laughs) the end of the episode basically except for um the notable incident of chevy chase coming on in a white on, uh, he was on a white horse with no shirt on on this man's chest he was ripped yeah he kind of was like I guess so they were all up there on the good nights and they were doing their good nights and Diane Cannon was like oh all of my dreams she's like this week was wonderful I can't believe it's already over this uh all of my dreams have come true except this one and I really thought tonight was the night and then the camera cuts to Chevy Chase on a white horse and he is soaking wet and he is ripped and I was like god damn like okay now I understand um and i was like okay like what i wrote was okay not gonna lie that was cool as fuck <laughs> he basically oh because he like they they hoisted diane oh hi uh they hoisted diane cannon up onto the back of the horse and then they like rode around the studio together and she had her arms like all over chevy chase and he had his like arm around her grabbing her butt at one point and i was like okay y'all fucking yeah it looked fucking fine um but also what the hell was I watching (laughs) yeah and then Dan Aykroyd uh picked up Gilda Radner and she was riding piggyback and he they he jumped off the stage and then John Belushi picked up Garrett Morris and they galloped off the stage and Jane Curtin and Lorraine Newman were like yeah no thank you we're good let's just shake hands it was the most elaborate good (laughs) night that I've seen in a while and I was okay with it it was fun yeah it was fun. Yeah. Um, was there anything in particular that you hated about tonight's episode? I don't know. That's a really tough question. Like this episode just in general felt very meh to me. Uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even choose one specific thing because yeah there was a lot of mediocre yeah yeah um the things that stood out to me as being particularly bad were the corner store toothpaste ad with the dead childs like that was pretty fucking awful yeah with an yeah with an honorable mention to the uh tatum o'neill joke in the bathwater sketch yeah that went right over my head and well now I know and I'm upset (laughs) (laughs) um yeah was there anything you liked from this episode uh (laughs) you know I'm not entirely 
short that there is one single thing I could even really like single out as being particularly enjoyable because it was it was just not that kind of episode for me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like, and understandably so, this is the 20th episode of the season. Like, I feel like they're, get, I mean, they're tired. I get it. Yeah. And like knowing how hard they partied after the show or whenever, like knowing how hard they lived and doing this, like, my God, I get that they're tired, but you can kind of, t- I, I, it, least i mean it sounds like you can't it they're phoning it in phoning it in Eh. anyway yeah um yeah i will say if the bathwater if the bathwater sketch hadn't included the tatum o'neill joke it would have gotten the runner-up sketch it would have gotten the runner-up position because there are just some hokey, cheesy tourist stores in Hollywood and LA that are just like, really, they're selling what? There's no way. Like, so I, the, like, the realism and the fact that, you know, 46 years on, that joke still resonates. I was like, damn, this is funny. And then they made the joke about the 13-year-old. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, ruined it while they were ahead. And... I don't want to say it was the best, but something I, I hated it at the beginning of the night. I still didn't think it was great, but I thought the wet man on a horse gag paid off. The payoff was good. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I didn't know why they kept going back to it, but once I saw why it was like, okay, that as a whole was kind of funny. Once I got to the payoff, it was, yeah, I agree. Yeah, but up until then, it was just like, what the fuck? This is just bizarre. But yeah, so if we got anything wrong or you'd like to give us feedback or send us stories or what the fuck ever, our email is satnighthighpod at gmail. And we have a website, satnighthighpod.com. Yeah, we are on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and Reddit. Our username is Sat Night High Pod. Um, night is spelled N I T on Twitter. And we're also on Facebook, Saturday Night High Podcast. Yeah. So happy new year and be well. Happy highs. Happy highs.